I'm going to start with a nice vote on Parshki Suvoy. The Pusik says, V'samach to B'chol HaToiv, a person should be happy with everything that the Ibishta gave him. And then the Pusik says, Atu v'halaivi v'ager ha'shem b'kirbachu. Right? You and the Laivi and the Ger. So what's the, you know, the Chatsoy says a nice Reimaz. In order for a person to be happy with what he has, he has to be makaras mekoyim, he has to know where he stands. A person should always notice that there are people that are more than him and people that are less than him. When you know where you stand between those two groups of people that have more than you and less than you, what happens is like this. You see someone has more than you, so you realize more than you means that he's more gebenched, he's more erlich, he's, more, he's a higher madraiga than you, he's doing more than you. All of a sudden, you don't, you don't, you don't, um, you don't become so arrogant. You know, there are people that are more than me. There are people that are doing more of what they're supposed to than me. Right? But then you have to look at the people who have less than you and are less than you and be thankful. Thank you, Hashem, that you, that, you know, that look what you gave me. There are people that have less. So instead of looking at your situation saying, wow, there are people less than me, I must be great, you make sure to balance that out with, wow, there are people that have even more than me, you know, maybe I should be doing more. And that's a certain balance that a person has to have all the time. So he said, how, how do you do that? First look at yourself with a lively, someone who's serving Hashem better than you, and you realize that, oh, I'm not doing so great. And then, you look at people who are less than you, and you realize, oh, but thank you, Hashem, for what I do have. Now that balance is a very important balance in life. To know how to look at people more than you and demand more of yourself. And look at people less than you and be thankful for what you have. That people that turn it around. Mamas turn it around. They look at people who have more than them and they complain. Why can't I have more? And then they look at people who have less than them and say, wow, you know, I must be amazing. Look, there are people that are even less than me. You can do it just the other way. But the Chesim is teaching us the right way to do it. You look at people more than you and you demand more of yourself. And you look at people less than you and, and you're thankful for what you have. Now, this is a, a general thing that, you know, sometimes Hashem is giving us the opportunity to not be so haughty and so arrogant. But we just have to remember how to take it and, and interpret correctly the people that have more and the people that have less than us and not twist it. Now, sometimes people in their own homes, okay, they have a lot of good things in life and they have a lot of not such good things in life. They have things that are very difficult, things that are very challenging and they have a lot of blessing. So some people, they take the blessing for granted and they complain about what they don't have. That's obviously the wrong way. Some people do the other way around. Whatever they do have, they're thankful for. And whatever they, they don't have, they understand. You know, may, maybe I don't deserve everything. Now, another, another idea that's similar to this is that people that when they have nachas from their children, they take the credit. Oh, you know why I have such nachas from my kid? You know, you know what I invest in my kid? You, didn't, you have no idea. I call his rebbe, I tip his teacher, I give him time, I, 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 I invest in them and I put in so much energy. They'll take all the credit for all the good nachas. And then when there's a problem at home, one of the kids, hmm, the teacher, the principal, my, my wife, I don't know, someone else, someone's a problem. He must have the genes of my, of my shvigar. There's something wrong with this kid. It's not me. It can't be me. You know? that, it's very easy to take the credit for the good and, and blame others for the bad. And then there are people who do it the right way. When something's not so good, now I'm not talking about self, being self-critical and blame yourself all the time, put yourself down. But when things aren't good, you ask Hashem, Hashem, please help me. I don't deserve anything better. But when you, when you have the nachas, you thank Hashem. Thank you so much, Hashem. Thank you for a child who's sitting and learning. Thank you for the one that has such good middas. Thank you for the one that's so pleasant to be around. I see it as a brucha. I don't take it for granted. Now, sometimes people would take a lot of nachas for granted if not for the fact that they have one child that's really challenging. And I can tell you from giving chinuch courses and from talking to people, almost every family that has a few children, you have a child that, that, that takes a little more energy out of you, let's call it. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to use the word difficult or bad, but you have a child who's a little more challenging. That's the word, challenging. And sometimes it's those challenging children that, that keep us in, you know, in place and they make us realize that, yeah, you better invest more energy in Yechina Chabunim or you shouldn't take so much credit for everything because, look, you know, things aren't going so well. And it's very important that what, 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 what happens sometimes is just the opposite, like I said. People are, are expecting everything to go fine and rosy and when they, when they hit a bump with, it, with one child, they get, oh, oh, what happened with him? What's going on over here? I can't stand it. Why is he doing this? I don't know. I'm trying everything. 
Calm down. Who, who said, why are you taking for granted all the good? Maybe, maybe everyone should be so challenged. Why, why, why do you think everything has to be so easy? Anyway, my point is not chaz to get anyone missing. Uh, my point is just that it's to be expected. Because children have different personalities, different natures, different qualities, different talents, different strengths, different weaknesses, it's inevitable. When you have a few children, yeah, one, one of them might be more challenging. You just have to know how to deal with it. Instead of getting resentful, instead of expecting to not have a problem at all, and that everything should, should be fine and dandy, and then wonder what, what's going on over here. It's not such a kasha. It's not such a kasha. Sometimes that's Hashem's way of making us be v'samachtabuchalatoiv. Not taking for granted that which we do have. So I hope that wasn't too long an introduction. But I want to read a question or two, actually. Um, interestingly, they were back-to-back on my list of questions. And I figured, you know what, let me put them together. I don't know if in the beginning um, the listeners will realize the, the close connection between the two questions. But I think that even though one is a little long, very long, I'll read them and I hope you have the patience to listen. Sometimes listening to people's situations, um, that alone does a lot for people. So here goes. Hi, thank you so much for your Shur Matur Anytime and your weekly emails. Okay, for those of you who don't know, I send out a weekly email and you could... Um, subscribe to that at partiallessons at laoe.org p-a-r-s-h-a-l-e-s-s-o-n-s at laoe.org l-e-h-a-i-r dot o-r-g every week I message my son that I email and maybe you'll appreciate what you see over there I've benefited from them so many times this is okay thank you so much I'd like to ask a question if possible my son who is my oldest child and let me, let me just leave out the age. I'll say why in a moment. But, but you know, I like to change details. But not yet my mitzvah. My son is my oldest child, not yet my mitzvah. Having a hard time, is having a very hard time controlling his anger. He gets angry pretty fast, and his reactions to his anger are bad. He throws things, hits, and becomes out of control. We had garbage cans spilled, cheers thrown down, spitting, and more. I usually react in a calm way by removing him from the situation first until he calms down. I also make him clean up whatever he messed up. I explained to him a few times that he has so many beautiful middos and that he's very special but that he has a hard time with controlling his anger. He knows it's hard for him. I want to help him overcome this challenge in a healthy way and learn to control himself. What is the right way to go about it? If you're going to answer my question in, in public, please change around some details, which I almost didn't do. Okay? Thank you so much in advance. Okay, so before I go into re- reply, responding to this question, let me read another question um, a lot more detailed without getting a request about changing details, but I'm, I'm going to leave out some details, obviously. It goes like this. I have listened, I, I listened to your shurim and I have written to you in the past and I find you always on target and wanted to turn to you again for some chizik and guidance. This letter is also for my venting, so I hope it's not too long. I apologize, but not really sure where to turn. Any professional help is so expensive and we've done it and we'll continue to do it, but in this time it's hard anyway to travel. I guess this was a corona, a corona time. That's what it sounds like. Now this issue of mine I think is a lot greater than an email can handle, but hopefully maybe you can give me some chizik in the matters for starters. Just for some background... We live, okay, um, in a certain place. My husband is an Avrech, Baruch Hashem, and we have nine healthy, beautiful children, Baruch Hashem. My oldest son, I would say, is my life's mission. I guess according to your definition, although we haven't heard all your shurim, he is fragile. I'm sure all along I have handled him wrong, okay, even though my whole life I've gone to chinuch classes, but Lamasa, he definitely should and does have his own set of rules for chinuch that the others than the others that I just didn't stick to. We are now in a massive that I find is unbearable. He is already past Bar Mitzvah. Okay, Baruch Hashem, he's Nishivik Tana. He has a great loving Gavald Garebi who he loves and does everything right according to the Chinuch and patience and knowing what the boys can handle and when. It's me that doesn't have patience for him and wants him to be perfect. He's very popular among his friends and it's, it's no wonder why he wants to be with them and not with us. 
At this point in time, and I'm always my issue is not that he's doing bad things, Baruch Hashem. It's more that I'd wish for him to be more serious or not hang out a whole day, even though I know he's not so old yet. Either way, his behavior at home is unlivable. There's no concept of listening. He does whatever he wants. He comes and goes when he pleases. And this is something that I just can't handle. I don't blame him for not wanting to be home because he is in a situation where it's hard to be here and it's not pleasant for him to be home. Um, he finds himself getting into trouble all the time. I know that really he's much better and he's just pretending to be so macho, but but he makes it pretty real. I try to play games with him, I try to get along with him, but it's very hard to get him out of his routine, and he keeps himself there too. He can get up in the morning, his davening is not the way I want. Um, okay, a lot of things about Yiddishkeit that we don't like, his middas around us don't exist, uh, don't exist. Although to his friends he really does behave beautifully. Now I know that a lot of things that bother me, a lot of Bokram do, but I still can handle certain ways about the way he dresses, and how he goes, and what he does, and anyway. I guess I'm so disappointed and resentful that this is what my Bachar had become. I know that most of the problem lies within me, but I don't know how to get over it. I know I shouldn't compare him to any other Bachar out there, and my life is tailor-made for me. I can give myself all the speeches, but when it comes down to it, I'm so disappointed in who he is, and it's hard for me to get out of the cycle. I find I have no positive feelings toward him. It's such a painful feeling as a mother to feel that way toward your son. I know that it's these children that, that are the ones that have extra potential, and I just have to channel it. For me, it seems like an impossible task. I know if Hashem gave it to you, you can do it. Again, I know all the speeches. It's very hard because I have this burning desire for my husband and children to all be Yerushamayim and Tamidachachamim as all Yiddishamamas do. And I feel that because of this burning desire, I'm creating the opposite. Is that fear? Just because I'm a normal, just because I'm not a born natural Machanach and it's hard for me to implement the lessons, tools, and advice I learned, coupled with this extreme hope for my family to be very Ehrlich. Is that what should turn them off, Chazar Shalom? I know to try to only focus on the good and ignore the bad. He can throw a pen in my face, a shoe at his father say the most disgusting words to us, and then kiss us the next day or the next hour. Those kisses, although nice on his part, make me disgusted because he thinks that he can make up for his behavior with a kiss and all is forgotten. Don't kiss me and just act like a person. I'm not really sure how to relate to him because I feel he's doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and how do I go on treating him like a normal person? He obviously feels my feelings. And basically I can ramble on and on, but I guess I'll stop here for some chizik. I'm not even sure if I portrayed the issue the way I want. Basically I just need a, I, I know I need to do a lot of work on my part, but I feel very helpless with this behavior of his and where he's holding. Baruch Hashem, I talk to Hashem constantly, and I know that this issue is tailor-made for me, but in a way I feel rejected. You mamash have to be zoichet to have children who are Yerushamayim and love learning, and why can't I be zoichet to that? I have this desire, why can't I have it? I know we are in an instant generation and things take time at work and you can't just have it just like that, but it looks so far sometimes. I apologize for rambling. Some chizik, please. Okay, so I'm sorry if that was too long. Um, but, you know, that's what it is. Sometimes when you hear people talk like that and you could nod your head and say, you know, maybe I feel that's like that sometimes too, or maybe I should just be thankful that I don't feel like that. Anyway, now the point is like this. The first letter writer, who wrote a lot less detailed, asked me to change some details. Now, I didn't change details because I didn't see any, any identifying details to change. Nothing. And I want to be very clear about that. I wouldn't in any way expose somebody who is writing something, you know, um, identifying, and they asked me not to. But having a child who has a hard time controlling his anger, um, who can spill garbage cans and throw cheers um, and spit, there's nothing identifying about that. 
Uh, it's unfortunate, let's call it. Uh, let's, let's say it's unfortunate, but, but very, very many, very, I'm not going to say every, but very many homes, very many parents could relate to that. Having a child who just loses it. A tantrums. That's not that we, call it, we don't call it a tantrum unless the child's trying to get something for it, but, but that, that's what happens. Children sometimes lose it. I hope we shouldn't know that adults do the same sometimes, but, but children definitely lose it sometimes. And I think it's important to realize how normal it is. It's important to realize how normal it is. Now, sometimes things go to the next extreme, and they're not as normal anymore. And that's when there are details, like in the second letter, that maybe I ignored, or that I, I, I didn't want to mention, even though it's nothing terrible, but you know, sometimes I just leave out some details, because, you know, maybe some people might realize, might re- I don't know, maybe the next neighbor will realize what I'm talking about. But in this case, a kid who turns over the garbage can throws a chair, it's very normal. Now, sometimes, well, the fact that I'm mentioning a question in public already means that it's somewhat normal. I wouldn't mention it. I, I said that already in the past. But sometimes it's comforting to know that it's so normal. It's so normal to have a child who loses it. Okay? Um, and like I said, like I started off, it's so normal for almost every family to have at least one child that they struggle with. And I don't mean any extreme struggle, I don't want to say that everyone's going to have a child of the derech or problematic. or I don't, No, but it's normal to struggle somewhere with a child. And most people who've taken my Chenech course took it for that reason, because they have at least one child that they needed some special um, approach to. One child who, you know, doing the typical, the typical routine that works for other kids doesn't work for one child, and sometimes it's more than one. It's definitely very normal, and it's all from Hashem. Like the other writer wrote, and I, I, I mentioned it, and it's good to know that, yes, if Hashem gave it to me, it's for me, and I have to talk to Hashem, and hope to Hashem, and know that He's the one in charge, and He's the one that's going to help me with this, because He gave it to me. Hashem doesn't make mistakes. So that's uh, all about just a little chizik, let's say. And this is a chizik that the questioner herself is writing to me. And that's it. That's it. We just get, there's nothing more than that. We have to keep reminding ourselves that whatever we have is from Hashem. And if we like it or not, if we, if we think that something else would be better for us or not, we have to remember you know, who's the one in charge and who's the one that, that employed us as parents to do our job. And we're working for Him. And we're doing what He wants from us. And even if we appreciate doing something else, you know, that's, what, that's what it means to be employed. Now, what do you do with these kids? So in this case, it's a kid who's has anger management problems. In this case, it's a kid who also happens to be throwing pens and shoes, um, but it's also a kid who has other issues about don't tell me what to do, right? Anti-authoritarian, uh, nobody tell me what to do. And sometimes, most often, it's the same, same type of children. Now, I have so little to say and so much to say. And that's because in, in my Chinuch course, which I mentioned, or the book that I wrote, right, I talk a lot about such children, right? The mother mentioned something about um, you'll, you'll probably... According to your definition, he's fragile. So let me explain what that means. Um, that's why I say I don't have much to say. I, I said it all. I have 10-hour classes explaining what it means a fragile child, explaining why when children are fragile and hypersensitive, um, this is what happens when you don't treat them a special way. Because that's what fragile children are about. So let me, let me just see this class, this year, as, as like an intake. You know, when somebody comes to me, this happens very many times a week, when somebody will come to me about a child. Now, the, the, the mushal and the exact details almost don't make a difference. It could be the child who's angry. It could be the child who's doing whatever he wants. It could be the child who's more rebellious. It could be the child who's just uh, in his own world. Right? Whatever it is. Let, let me tell you the first, um, the first 20 minutes of how I address such parents. And if anyone wants to discuss a, a child, let them, let them see this as the introduction and just save some time. Okay? Um, sensitivity. Sensitivity needs to be understood. And you should never misinterpret a difficulty of a child. Now, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, there are a lot of um, different explanations out there. You'll have, you'll have um, people saying, oh, this is your oldest, right? One of them is right. Oh, this is your oldest. Oh, the oldest. It's the Makas Bechoyres, you know, the oldest one. That's why the Bechoyres gets Pishnaim. That's why the, it's the oldest. It's the oldest syndrome. 
Okay. The second one said it's the oldest son, but it doesn't look like the oldest child. Okay, maybe that's that's the sandwich child syndrome. You know, we'll give that that myth. You know, the one that's in the middle, they get secretion. Sometimes, well, the youngest or the youngest, I don't know, parents are too old. I don't know what it is, but we come up with some other excuse. So it's so easy to come up with all kinds of different explanations for what's going on. It's also easy to misinterpret um, the actual behavior. There are a lot of books out there, self-help books about about the obnoxious child, the explosive child, which also has, you know, a child, anger management, the explosive child, okay? How do you deal with, with a child who's explosive? Why is he explosive? I don't know, he just is. And then you have all the LD, or the whole learning, learning disability, um, and the whole spectrum idea. Uh, maybe, he's, maybe he has a problem, maybe, maybe he's reacting to a learning disability. Now, as I'm saying, there's a lot of different ways to understand why a child is struggling. What I found, what I found to be true, what I found to be consistent, and to be um, something that just about, just about always explains things, is understanding sensitivity in children. Now, many of you who listen to me, heard this from me many times, have a share on anytime called a fragile child, but let me just explain what it means in short. A person's personality is made up of different components. One of those components that we all have, somewhere in our personality, is the fragile component. We all have a certain amount of sensitivity. We could all get nervous, we could all get upset, we all like when things are a certain way. We all like to feel emotionally comfortable, I call it. We all like to be emotionally comfortable. We all like to feel respected and needed and get attention and feel good and feel... We all like that. Everybody has that component of sensitivity somewhere else in their personality. Some people are dominated by that need for emotional comfort and have a low tolerance to not feeling emotional comfort. And some of us have it lower down. And even if we get nervous about something or something that we don't like, we can tolerate more. We have that bumper. This is what I call the glass child, the fragile child. Very fragile. And this is not something that develops and not something that happens because of birth order and not something that happens because of upbringing, it could, it could be um, emphasized or, or triggered more because somebody went through a difficulty. Not a question. We could have two people going through the same difficulty, and one has it more than the other, because fragility and sensitivity is natural. I can see this on a baby. Look at a baby in the crib, and, and many mothers, when they look back, they'll notice this. They'll, they'll notice, looking back, yeah, he was a more difficult baby. He, was a more, he cried more often. He needed things to be his way. There's a certain sensitivity you can notice in the crib. Before there's any obnoxiousness or explosiveness, and before there's any learning disability or anything else. Um, so, so that, that, that um, element of sensitivity, when it dominates in the child, naturally, a child is very sensitive, this is what it causes. It causes a certain amount of discomfort, it causes a certain amount of low tolerance, and automatically this child doesn't like to be told what to do, and he gets easily um, disturbed or triggered or angered by something. He, looks, he doesn't like when, when people are controlling him, and things like that. And a lot of people say, well, yeah, not only children. It's true, not only children. There are many adults that are also just as sensitive. Now, understanding this and interpreting the issue correctly could help you uh, preempt and prevent and avoid and, and even take care of, once there is a problem, any kind of problem with such a child. Because if you, if you look at a child and, and you don't know what's going on and all you're trying to do is figure out where's the next explosion, explosion going to come, it, it makes everything look very unpredictable. And then there's no way to avoid it. You're just dealing with it, okay? So I take him out of this room. You take him out of the room. What do I do now? You're busy cleaning up the mess. When you understand it, and you know what's going to happen, you don't wait for it to happen. I tell this to people often. You know, I ask this question from parents. Um, how many times this month did you knock over a glass over the table? Some answer none. Some answer maybe once. And, and at most, somebody will answer twice, and this month I broke a glass. Right? It doesn't happen often. How many times did mo this month did you, throw, did you uh, by mistake, drop a tissue or a paper or a pen? Probably many more times. Now, when you think about it, did you throw down that tissue on purpose? Well, you didn't, right? So, so what happened by mistake? So how come the mistake only happens to tissues? <laughs> Hashem helps you. It only happens to tissues. 
You know, thank God, Baruch Hashem, only happens the tissue. Why is that? The answer is because you're more careful about the glass. What, what do you mean you're more careful? And the tissue you throw down? No. The point is that subconsciously, when there's a glass on the table, you're careful. You don't put it at the edge, and you don't shake the table when you get up, and you make sure before you... It's all subconscious. You don't even realize that you're doing it. Before you get up from the table, you make sure that you're not um, touching anything. And you walk, you walk by a table, you make sure you don't knock it over by mistake. And with a tissue, you're just not so careful. When you understand that this child who's causing you a lot of heartache and very challenging, he's not a bad kid. He doesn't have anger issues. He doesn't have, um, I don't know, things that need to be fixed. He's simply a very sensitive child. Very sensitive child. Very sensitive. And he'll always be sensitive. Of course, when you treat him correctly and you take care of him, things will be good and develop healthier and he'll have more tolerance than he would if, 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 if he was being challenged all the time. But this is who he is. And there's nothing wrong with him. He doesn't have to be refurbished. You might want to send him to someone that can help him and, and understand him and make him feel good and, and give him some guidance and some good tips. That, that's fine. But if you're, going, if you're sending him to someone to fix him because you think there's something wrong with him, you're on the wrong track. When you understand that it's sensitivity and not obnoxiousness, then automatically you could predict based on seeing the patterns, based on understanding what sensitivity is about, based on learning what hypersensitivity does to someone, you could avoid a lot of problems. You could know in advance that, oh yeah, if he's going to come home, he's not going to be ready for this situation, he might lose it. Let me talk to him in advance. That's what he needs. Well, after preparing, well, you don't have to, but if you want to avoid a difficulty, then you might want to. But my other kids are fine with, with surprises and change. They are, he's not. That, that's the nature of a sensitive child. It's just an example. So when you understand this, you know, you know how to prevent things. I, I, I appreciate so much when I, hear parent, when I hear parents tell me that after either listening to my, to my courses or, or even just discussing these things with them, um, it helped turn the, um, the unpredictable child into the most predictable child. Literally the most predictable. The kid who loses it, and, oh, what happened now? I, did, I didn't see that coming. The one that looks so unpredictable, like, I had no way to know he's going to react that way. He's the most predictable. I know exactly what he's going to do. I know that when I, te- when I tell him something this way, he'll, he'll take it one way, and when I tell him the other way, he won't handle it. I know. These are the kids that are the most predictable when you know what to predict. You'll see. The ones that are less sensitive are less predictable. They're just more, maybe more routine and more, uh, you know, less major surprises, but not so predictable. With the UV child, as I call it, uh, I tell this to parents often, try it. Tell him this way. Talk to him nicely. Talk to him in advance before he's emotionally challenged. Tell him how much it would mean to you if he does it. Tell him he doesn't have to. You'll see he'll do it. No, he won't do it. You'll see he'll do it. And he does it. The other kid won't do it so much. You know why? Because this kid needs respect. He needs to feel good. That he needs that emotional comfort. When he has that, you can predict what he's going to do. He becomes the most predictable child. So I, I, I don't think that... One thing I want to I throw in there. There are children that are very challenging. I don't want parents to go away feeling very responsible and self-critical, like, oh, I must not be handling him right, it's all my fault, I make all the mistakes, and I hear this from parents often, we just, we're here to try, is everything 100%, maybe not, do you for sure have what it takes to always be a step ahead of him, I don't know, are you responsible to take care of every issue of his and make sure he never bumps into a pro- I, I don't know, we just try, so I don't, I don't want anything I'm saying here to make parents feel self-critical or responsible or codependent and bad about themselves, we just try, but try, it's good to try, so let me tell you a few pointers, just Mamish in a nutshell, um, what to do with, and, and it seems that this long um, letter writer knows a lot of this and he's the chizik, and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying, okay? One thing, you want to make sure that a sensitive child who's hypersensitive, who already has a low self esteem and low confidence, even though he looks very macho on the outside, like everything has to go his way because he's always right, he might be doing that as a cover up for a lot of, for a lot of um, low self esteem, okay? When you try to make him feel good and, and needed and uh, respected, Needed, needed. That's a very strong word. Needed. I need you. You do things so great. Why? I love being near you. Um, I, I, I see all the good in you. I compliment every small little thing you do. You know that that could very often be uh, be the refiyah father maki. You know that's what he really needed. 
that could avoid a lot of outbursts and tantrums and a lot of negative feelings that made him feel so uncomfortable that he has to stick up for himself and he has to start controlling things because if not, I don't know, he feels better already. I ask this to people, Bakhlao, all the time, and parents all the time. When I would ask your child, what does your parents think of you? What would he answer? And people would start telling me right away, no, we love him. We... I didn't ask if you love him. If I would ask him, what do your parents think of you? What would he say? If he might say, my parents think I'm a difficult kid, again, nobody's at fault. He is difficult. But, but maybe that's why he's feeling so uneasy. And maybe that's why he erupts and explodes and, and becomes explosive so often. You know, so, so it's not easy. Now, especially if it's the oldest child, by the way, it just becomes easier to make him full, feel more special and feel more important because he's the oldest anyway. So there's less jealousy involved. But even when a child's not the oldest, you don't have to be so worried about jealousy. Most often, subconsciously, all the kids understand, you know, Yankee's a difficult kid. Mommy and Tati give him the first seat by the table because if not, he won't handle it. I, I see this. We're more worried about jealousy than we have to be. Now, of course, you have to be careful. You don't want to make things uh, too obvious. But especially when a child's the oldest, it becomes easier to have him you know, get more privileges, but even when he's not the oldest, um, very often, treat him a little differently, the kids will understand it. So that's something you want to always be on the lookout to make him feel good and fulfilled and busy and, and feel good about himself, okay? Maybe he needs some time together. Maybe taking a walk with him, letting him ear out, letting him, you know, a lot of times the kids are competing for attention, they come home at the same time, they don't have their little space, and somebody like that, that, that amount of fragility, who gets claustrophobic and starts losing it, maybe that's what he needs. Now, you shouldn't use the time together to lecture him about his anger and, and, about, and about all the things that have to be better because now you have him and you have his attention. No, just make him feel good. You also want to try to not challenge him as much as possible. Till now we spoke about that side of what you're trying to make him feel good. Try to not challenge him. When you put him down and you confront him and you blame him or you argue with him or you, you know, tell him all the things he's doing wrong, tell him why he's at fault, or even when you just do away with something he said, to him this is important, and you tell him, oh, come on, stop. These are all things that are hurtful to a sensitive child. Now, the truth is it's hurtful to every child. And if you're going to try to treat every child like a sensitive child, amazing. But very often it's not possible. There's only so much you could... You, you know, you have, you have 10 children. Some of them need more attention than others. You can't wear yourself thin. But a child like that, when you're more careful not to hurt his feelings, with that amount of sensitivity that he has, you're taking a whole different kind of measurement. He takes it personally. He takes a lot of things personally. You try to you know, avoid those kind of things. You're also definitely going to be helping him with that. Now, on the other side... Okay. Um, don't tolerate his problems and here's where it gets tricky because some parents are very good at treating a child very well but then they become more tolerant some parents are very good at not tolerating but then they don't try to treat the child so well treat him very well but don't tolerate misbehavior when he does something wrong don't fall for it when he demands things don't let yourself be controlled not by putting him down and screaming at him but by sticking to your ground and saying I love you daily I'll think about it I have to be okay with it um, I, don't, I don't like this idea, so I'm not going to be doing it. If you want, you can come up with something else. Very nicely, but very firmly. A child does know that you're in control. And very often, as these children, and the reason why they're tantruming and throwing things, very often is because that's how they want to get something. And very often it's because that's how they got things in the past. So this is something you want to be very careful about. Make sure he's not getting anything by doing this. As a matter of fact, if he breaks something, or he does something, you're allowed to be hurt. You're allowed to tell him, I'm sure you didn't mean it. I know you don't mean anything bad. I know you were just angry, but, but I'm very hurt. You're allowed to be hurt. You're allowed to be hurt. You're allowed to express that something's bothering you. You're not blaming him for it, but you're allowed to be firm about that. He shouldn't think you're afraid of him. Don't be afraid of your child. Be nice to him, but don't be afraid of him. Okay, there's so much to talk about, but I, this mom is just the outline. Now, one more thing I want to I make sure to, to be very clear. You don't have to be afraid of him. You don't have to do what he wants. You could express yourself, tell him something's bothering you. You could do all that. Never get into a fight with your child. Right? We're talking over here about a child who throws things, then he kisses me, don't kiss me. It's very, it's, it's very tricky. 
If a child wants something and he's tantrum, you tell him, listen, I'd love to get it for you, but there's not a way to do it. Today we're not going to do it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to give him. You shouldn't give him. You're not afraid of him. But you could help him somewhere else. You could still be nice to him about something else. Don't get into a fight. Don't, don't get personal with your child. It's not easy. Very often we get into this fight mode. That's it. I'm not talking to you. Now, if you told him in advance, you're not going to talk to him for half hour because you're hurt, or if he does something, it's still okay. But if you're doing it because you're in a fight with him, it's not good. Sensitive children don't deal well with that. But he's my child. I know he's your child. But he should have respect. I know he should have respect. But if you get personal with him, it's going to be hard of him to come out of his hole, hard of him to climb down the tree. Don't get into a personal fight with a child. That's just on a spitz gopal. That's just like, mamish the outline, how to deal with sensitive children. Now, understanding that it's sensitivity you're dealing with and knowing that you could avoid a lot of it and you could treat a child in a way that could make him a lot healthier and better, that's, that's very good. Now, being open with a child about the fact that he's having a difficulty controlling his anger, I think it's fine. But you don't want to talk about it too often. And you don't want him to identify as this is the issue over here and I keep on talking about it and we're going to keep on mentioning this, we're going to keep on working on this. Don't make this the definition. Don't make this the identity. Very, very careful. You know? So if you have a good relationship with him and you can talk about it and you can ask him what do you want to do about it, do you want to talk to someone about it, that's all fine. You know, you could give incentives for all the time that he does um, hold himself back from getting angry or whatever. That's all fine. But, but making this the relationship and the identity, even if he's okay and he, and he takes it because he knows he, you know, he can't disprove what you're telling him, it's not the way... You don't want him to think that this is who he is. I spoke a few times lately because it really, it really hit me when I heard this. A, a, a principal was talking about a student and said something like, you know, I got information about the student that he wasn't so good and really he seemed to be okay, but now I see the real colors. Now I see the true colors. It's terrible. Seeing a child in a difficult moment as the true colors and the child feeling like, oh, so that's what you think I really am, even though sometimes I'm good, that, that's something you want to avoid at all costs. And the truth is it's not true. Children are good. People are good. Eden are good. We're all good. When somebody's acting up, they're feeling challenged. We'll deal with it. You can even punish a child, especially if you told him in advance and, and he knows that you're not doing it just because you got angry. But don't see him as that's the kid. Try, at least yourself. When he comes and gives you a kiss and he says, I'm sorry, think to yourself, this is the real kid. What do you mean? I don't need him to get... This is the real kid. This is the kid who wants to be good. This is the kid who wants to feel loved. This is the kid who wants to love. This is the kid who feels sorry. He's feeling very bad. So when he comes back after, after a screaming match and he gives you a kiss, first interpret it correctly. He's really a good kid. He feels so bad about what he did. Just think about it to yourself and accept him. Then you could tell him, you know, I love when you kiss me. And I know that you love me. And sometimes I'm hurt by the way you talk to me. I would, I, please don't do that again. Now, of course, the exact wording depends on the scenario and everything else. But don't reject his, his coming back. See that as the real kid. So important you know, to understand that. And you want him to feel good about his own progress. And you want him to... to you want him to feel that, you know, you, you, you're letting him tell you when he held himself back, right? Tell me when, when it's hard for you. I know it's not easy and I'll give you something for it and, and let him feel good that you, you, you're patient, you're patient with him and you, you're going to encourage him and, you, and, and you, you, you're not getting frustrated just because it's happening again. You know, there's so much about this that you want to, you, you want to, you, you want to make him feel good about really being able to overcome these difficulties. Now, there's no, there's no quick fix. I hope nothing I said made it sound like it's a quick fix and this is how you deal with a fragile kid and all of a sudden everything's fine. There's no quick fix. These, child are definitely, uh, these children are definitely challenging. When you do things this way, you usually start seeing a, a, a difference pretty quickly. Now, like this second writer saying, it's so hard. I keep on getting so frustrated. It's true. So you keep on reviewing this and you keep on talking about it. You keep on giving yourself encouragement. But when you do things the right way, you start noticing a difference pretty quickly. Now, it's gradual, it doesn't happen right away, but you stop noticing a difference pretty quickly. Now, as children grow older, let me just mention this, you, you start losing leverage. You know, when a kid's still young, you know, he needs you more, so you could 
you could, there's more incentives you can give and there's more consequences you can implement and there's less, you can be more firm and not be controlled and say, listen, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this for you today. I'd love to, but I can't. And he'll learn from that as a kid goes older. There's less leverage. He needs you less. He can do things on his own. You, know, you, just, have to, you just have to know where you're holding. So, so there's, there's just different things that come into, uh, you know, different things that, that uh, are relevant at different stages. So that's, uh, you know, just something that you have to deal with. Now, we all want our children to be perfect. And we all want, uh, you know, we all want the best for them, like I started off saying. But we're not responsible for them. You just have to keep on trying. That's what chinuch is about. Chinuch is not about results. We have to have in mind the results when we say something. Like, is what I'm saying now smart? Is it going to bring good results? Should I not say it? That, that yeah. But we're not responsible for the results. We have to remember that. We keep on trying. And sometimes when you try and you don't feel responsible for the results, it just makes it easier to do the right thing. I'm going to keep on trying. It's not about living their lives. It's not about controlling their anger. It's not about making them the picture perfect. It's not about everyone seeing how good they are. It's about trying. And we ask Hashem and we try. These are the kids that keep us, you know, these are the kids that, that remind us that we're not so perfect. These are the kids that remind us that not all the credit about all the nachas is ours. You know, sometimes, sometimes people struggle and it, it's all normal. It's all to be expected. Let me just say this. People ask me all the time, so, so this kid's always going to be so sensitive? How's he going to get married? What's his future? I don't predict futures. But one thing I could tell you, if a child who's very sensitive grows up being put down and being criticized and being blamed and feeling bad about himself and being punished, and he'll grow up a lot worse than the child who was dealt with very sensitively. Not a question. Now, people are sensitive, they're sensitive. People are fragile, they're fragile. It's a nature. But if he grows up healthy and feeling good about himself and seeing everyone around him feeling good about themselves and not being tolerated and seeing people around him are not afraid of him, but they're nice to him, but they don't tolerate his outbursts and they're not, and they're not scared to tell him what they, how they feel. And they still say it in a very sensitive way. When they grow up with that balance, they definitely grow up a lot healthier. They definitely have more tolerance. They definitely, you know, be more grounded, more control of themselves, more, more balanced. And with Hashem's help, with the right amount of siat deshmaya and tefillah, we can be happy with everything we have. The easy children and the ones that bring out the best of us and the ones that challenge us the most. I mean, I've just still seen from each and every one of them.